Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Get us bevel away? Now, Charlie. Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. Get us bevel, not Charlie. Charlie, your summers can't move me, Charlie. Welcome to Suplexes and Cervezas with Chavo Guerrero Jr. I'm your host, Chavo Guerrero Jr. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to Suplexes and Cervezas. I appreciate it. I'm Chavo Guerrero Jr., your host. I'm just getting back to life here in uh, Southern California. I uh, was in Hawaii for about 10 days, decompressing and just really getting off the grid and just having a really good time with the fam. I hope your day and your week is going as well as mine. It's nice to see everything kind of getting back to normal a little bit with this whole COVID stuff. And uh, at least here in California, you know, gyms are starting to open back up with no masks needed. And uh, as long as you're vaccinated, restaurants are getting back to normal and flying and traveling starting to get back to normal. So it's it's getting kind of nice. It makes you really appreciate what uh, we had before and see how it's really nice to be able to get back to normalcy, I guess. But anyways, today on the podcast, I have a really, really good friend of mine, really good friend of the Guerrero family, and a guy who's a legend in the wrestling biz. Him and his partner were part of the Notorious Nasty Boys tag team. So today, it's a great privilege to be able to talk with my friend, Brian Nobbs. Brian's a guy that started out old school the way it was done back then and was brought up through the ranks and beat up until uh, there was nobody left in their training school their training class and him and sags uh his partner end up uh, surviving and uh, made a big name for themselves in the wrestling biz and were everywhere they've been with wwe champions and wcw champions and been all over japan and europe and kind of been everywhere and have wrestled the who's who in tag team wrestling and not only that those guys have been the some of the biggest rivers as we say in wrestling the joke the jokers uh in all of wrestling man those guys are notorious for Pulling the ribs that no one else really wanted to pull or didn't have the balls to pull. Back in the day, people have to realize, like, why were wrestlers so, like, mean to each other? And it wasn't that they were mean. It was just you're on the road, you know, 300-plus days a year, probably more, 320, 330 days a year, and you're only with the other wrestlers. So to keep yourself sane and, and keep yourself entertained, you'd end up joking with each other and ribbing, we call it in wrestling, and then... Someone else would take it to another level and someone else would take another level and then another level. And before you know it, these uh, ribs, they got pretty bad, but pretty, pretty, pretty funny. Stuff of legends, if you say it. So if you listen to this podcast, I think you're going to enjoy it. It's one of my most favorite one I've done because Brian can just talk and talk and talk. And he's just got stories upon stories that are pretty outrageous and crazy out there that I love love talking to him and sitting down with both the nasty boys and having a beer and just listen to those guys tell some stories of the things they've done. So I hope you enjoy this. 
and get to experience what it's like to actually sit down with Brian, have a beer, and let him talk about Willie Nelson and Mel Gibson and Hulk Hogan and all the different wrestlers that they, <laughs> that they've been around with. So, up next, my friend, good dude, and one crazy son of a bitch, Brian Nobbs. Next on Suplexes and Cervezas. Hey, everybody. So here I am with my boy, my buddy, a guy that I've known for a long time and a good friend of the Guerrero family, nasty boy, Brian Nobbs. What's up, Brian? Hey, suplex and cervezas, baby. That's it, I just wish I had some of those good cervezas you have, your good beer. I know, I know. The problem is, is that it's hard to send them over, over, over the Connie's lines right now because of, you know, all the, uh, the restrictions and like, you know, the alcohol I know. stuff right now. But well, we just did is that we made a uh, a deal with some uh, a three different distilleries, one in New Jersey, one in uh, um, New York, and one in Philly. So now it's on the west, on the east coast. We'll be able to get it to people over there a lot easier. Well, Stone Cold had that same problem. I think he's just getting his out now, and his has been out for a while now. You know, so the same thing happened with him. Yeah, Stone yeah, Cold. Well, Coast. He steals all my ideas, I tell you. <laughs> yeah. well, a beer company, we went and uh, did a show up there, and they were a microbrewery, and they made our, you know, our own beer cans and everything like that. And uh, it was a kind of a, it, it was a good, it was a strong IPA. Uh-huh. But he said, I said, hey, can you, well, he, 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 send, he sent some to us when he wasn't going to. But he said, hey, I'll send you some to you guys. Uh, but he goes, yeah, it's easy to send a like you know, like a you know, four pack or a six pack, or yeah. you can do that. But if you start trying to sell like distributor, oh, it's very, very difficult. Yeah, he said you can't sell it out of the state of Minnesota, that's what he told us, you know. Yeah, so, so that's yeah, there's a lot of liquor laws out there, but you know, of course, like Anheuser Busch and all those people, you know, they can get right, get away from it because oh, you, know, yeah. you know, they're so big, you know. But guys like small guys like we are, you know, it's tough, man, it's tough to get it out to people. and Everybody wants it. It just it's just hard to get it to them. Plus, we only can only make a certain amount because we only our distilleries are only so big. Right. So it sells out every time. But you know, it's it is what it That's is. That's good. Make, yeah, it's good. Me sagging uh, TK Tonga Kid had it that day. I, you guys were funny though because yeah. <laughs> I knew as soon as you guys had, I knew you, I know you guys were gonna be like, "This is shitty. This is horrible. Give me another one." <laughs> yeah, after we, you were out getting it, and said, "Oh, I gotta get one too." When you turn around, say, so "Hey, after we take a big swallow, everybody turn and spit it out." Oh God! And and the, your reaction was perfect. I knew you idiots were gonna do that. You know. Well, I I wouldn't <laughs> expected anything else from it. If you didn't do it, I'd be pissed. <laughs> I'd be like, what's wrong with you guys? You guys are getting soft. <laughs> well, so, hey, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, man. Thanks. We have a little bit of a, bench, a, a business venture going on a little bit. And so we are yeah. uh, have been talking a lot and kind of doing some stuff. And we have a possible show that we're going to be selling and doing about uh, almost the good side of wrestling, right? So uh, that's looking pretty good. Yeah, I mean, uh, we we're looking really good with that. And uh, I'm excited. You're excited. We got... Uh, you know, uh, good old uh, Smokey Bear Papa Godfather involved also. That's right. Uh, he'll be, That's right. He'll be one of the hosts, and uh, yeah, it should be uh, it should be really good for the fans because uh, you know, and like I, I I told you a long time ago, you know, when we were getting we got it started and everything, that, right? You know, I, you know, I watched that. I, I don't even watch that much no more. But the Dark Side of the Ring, all it does is like you know, I tell the bad tragedies and happen in wrestling and i know people like to see negative stuff but 
you know, there's a lot of good stuff. Like 85% of the wrestlers love this business. Uh, things like that didn't happen to them. They have funny stories right. to tell. And, uh, you know, some of the old timers have been through everything like Flair and Hulkster and Iron Sheik. And, uh, you know, I mean, they got some wild stories to tell. And I think fans would love to see that and, and pictures of when they were doing it and all that stuff. So, you know, I yeah. think uh, this uh, this will put a real good light, like you said, a light side, the good side of wrestling that people like to enjoy and sit back and laugh and say, going, oh, my God, oh, my word. Oh, that's that's terrible. For, for every tragedy, we have said that a bunch of times, for every like you know, tragedy in wrestling, and we, we've all had a lot of, we've lost a lot of friends, but for every tragedy, the, the, you know, the, the, the 5% is bad. There's 95% of wrestling that is awesome. That's great. Like, that's why we all did it. Cause it was, it was awesome. What an incredible business to be in, you know, and travel the world and the stories that we have that some things that no one would ever believe because they're so crazy and outrageous. It's pretty awesome. You know? Oh uh, yeah. And you know, and all the guys and, and some of the tragedies that happened were, were such, you know, accidental and this happened and sure. that happened. But the guys were great guys, and, they didn't, and nobody knew what was going to happen, and, and it, it happened the way it does. But when they put it on that dark side of the ring, they always kind of bury the guy they're talking about, you know. And and, and um, you know that does does fit good with me because I knew I these sure. guys were good friends growing up in the business, and they were all great guys, and nobody really was, you know. You know, like they put them like, like these are wacky and out of control. You know, no, everybody did their yeah. job and had the, a good the, time. the wacky, the assholes, nothing happens to the assholes. They, they, they stick around the whole time. It's always the yeah, good guys exactly. that, are, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah I hear, yeah. I'm with you, man, on that one. It's all the, it's all the politicians, the guys that uh, kiss the ass and still have the jobs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, that, exactly. and, and that, are, uh, that are in the, not everybody now, but. Some of them that are in the Hall of Fame, you know. Uh, some <laughs> yeah, people yeah. don't get in the Hall of Fame. That's some true. people are a little too crazy. I don't think uh, <laughs> me and Sags are uh, on the, you know, the the top ten list right now because uh, we did a lot of things when we were in the WWF back in the day, and we did a lot of silly things to Vince McMahon, mainly ribs and stuff like that. But you might still be mad at some of them. You so know? you you guys were only the, some of the only ones that actually had balls to actually rib Vince. <laughs> what 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 did you I mean anything what did you do to to Vince I, I gotta know. Well, we, I slammed him on the table at the China Club and <laughs> you know, but he headbutted me first. He was partying with us, right? And then Sag took his jacket and went fat man in a little coat and ripped it up R the back. And, you know, <laughs> his expensive like designer that, jacket, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then, and then Shane went. You no, know, Shane, who's a very good friend of ours, uh, right, right. You know, he was. Uh, you know, really close, and and Vince put him through every aspect of the business. He made him clean up, you know, the ring, do the ring, uh, do all that stuff. But then we always, me and Sag would always let him stay with us. So we was three to a room. Right. He'd always get the uh, roll away or pull, you know whatever we had brought in, and uh, you know, for so that went on for three months. And then we're, I think we we're in Hartford, Connecticut, and you know, he goes, well, first I got to call my dad, you know. So he says, hey, dad, I'm here with the nasty boys. I'm staying tonight. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> and I hear this. Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. I, I love you, dad. Okay. I'll see you soon. And he hung up the phone and he says, dad won't let me stay with you guys no more. <laughs> what did we do? We didn't do nothing. What do we do? 
Because he knew. Hey, yeah, hey, hey, Shane, Shane was going to wake up with some shaved eyebrows, you know. <laughs> wow. Oh, he was right in there with us. So he couldn't say that. He was right in there with the ribbing. You yeah. know, so. Uh, that, I think that's why those kids. Dude, man. I think that's I, why I, those kids, Shane and Stephanie, are so good at the business and know that backwards and forwards because their dad made them, you know, kind of work the bottom and kind of come up from. Then he just give you give them the silver spoon. He said, look, know this business inside and out. And that's that's. You know, that's yeah, a good business. Stephanie's been tremendous. I mean, especially for yeah. women's wrestling. I, I mean, agree. you got to give it to her. And Shane's did everything. You know what I mean? And right. then he even left and came back. So, and, and he's a, such a nice guy, man. He is truly a nice guy. Yeah, and, I agree. Uh, you know, that's from the, coming from the nasty boys. And you know the nasty boys, if they don't like somebody, they're going to tell you. But Shane is thumbs up. He's definitely a third nasty boy. Stop you know? kissing ass. You're just trying to kiss ass and get back. And you're trying to get into the oh, Hall of Fame. Hey, there's, <laughs> there's, there's not enough ass we could kiss to get us back up there. <laughs> that, that's true. That's true. How did you get started in this business, man? Like, literally, well, I'm, like, I'm a third-generation pro wrestler. Grew up in this business, and it was tough to break in. How did you get in this business? Like, what were you a fan growing up? Uh, fan growing up big time back in the 70s. Uh, Bruno Sammartino. You know, Larry Zabisco, uh, let's see, Tony Garia, uh, Professor Tanaka, Mr. Fuji. Oh, yeah. Um, Vampiro Furpo, uh, you're going way back, you know. But that's, that's we only got, uh, you know, we're from Pennsylvania. We're from the, the Allentown area, Whitehall, of course. And, right. uh, uh, you know, all they had was WWF, it was called at the time. Right. Dubs, you know? World Worldwide Wrestling Federation. I remember yes. that. That's when superstar did, Billy Graham was the champion and Bruno. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And they did TV out of Hamburg, PA, which was 40 minutes from, from Allentown. And, mm -hmm. you know, we used to go uh, see the TV matches and uh, Captain Lou would be in the back and they were all, you know, the heels were on one side and the uh, good guys were on the other, but in the back of the locker room that it was, it was just a little, little field house. They were all drinking beer and having fun. And, and, uh, you know, you got to see that the, like the real deal and superstar Billy Graham was one of our, you know, favorites. And then I'm even on uh, camera. I don't know what television show it was, but we made a shirt that said superstars number one. And he was up in the ring on the ring apron doing his thing. And he saw us and he came all the way down, took off his Adidas shirt and gave it to me. And when he took our superstars, number one shirt and put it on and then went That's up awesome. to the fans and everything. And that was, a, that was my thrill. And I kept that shirt forever and it used to drench me. Yeah. Now I'm bigger than it because uh, you know, <laughs> I'm 300 some pounds, but uh, you know, we were always big fans and SAG was also, but uh then as we grew older, like I know SAG since we're 10, wow. uh, we used to play little league baseball together and he was the first baseman. I was the left fielder. <laughs> and even if the ball was in front of me, I'd have to dive and make a spectacular catch. Yeah. And SAG was big, you know, like he always was and could never stretch. So the guys would throw the balls in the dirt so we would hit him in the face and that. <laughs> but the first time I ever met him when I was 10, he had half of his tooth was was uh, already missing, you know? Right. you know, the one that he has missing now. And I said, well, what happened to you? He said, well, my brother shot it out with a BB gun. And I said, <laughs> I think me and you are going to be friends. And we've been friends ever since. We went through high school together. And then uh, he went and he had a scholarship for um, uh, Virginia. And he had to go to a, uh, like a junior college first. Then I was in the service for uh, 
was supposed to be for three years, uh, but uh, I, I ended up like two and a half, but uh, <laughs> uh, SAG got, uh, uh, you know, asked to leave the junior college because <laughs> we hit the hall monitor overhead with a keg of beer. And uh, at the time, uh, when I was down in Fort Hood, Texas, they had a, a weight thing. So I was, I was supposed to be 208 and I was 210. So then I came home and SAG just got let go, you know, from uh, college. And then I said, uh, uh, he goes, do you like it in there? I said, well, you know, everybody left, you know, my two of my buddies that went in the buddy system when I was going down, they were already getting out. And at the time they were leaving people get out, honorable discharge and all that, uh, you know, with right. uh, different different things. So I said, but they're, they're on me about this weight thing. And so he goes, well, you really like it in there? I said, well, I don't know. I maybe like to do something else. I've been doing it now for two and a half years. And I, like an idiot, you know, they talked me into the, I did the artillery so I got the five thousand dollar bonus, and I was, <laughs> I was, in the field three weeks out of every month. So we're we're you know playing soldier and blowing the big things up downrange. Uh, you know you, you know it's uh you know the one hundred nine howitzers and all that stuff. So I said, well, not really. He goes, I had thirty days off, and I was back home on leave, and we proceeded to eat thirty cheeseburgers a day from McDonald's, and, <laughs> and when I. I came back 30 days later. I was like 265. They flipped out. They said, you got 30 days to lose the Andrew the Mister. We're at many of this and that. And all, all of a sudden, boom, I was out. And now me and Sags are back home again. And uh, you know, that didn't work out good because we're, we're barroom fighters and all of our buddies. We were crazy back in the day. It was almost like um, our group of guys was the same kind of guys that are the same guys that are in Minnesota. You know, like the Kurt right. Henning, the Rick Roods, the Hawks, and and Barry Darso's and Wayne Blooms—they all grew up together. Right. So, right. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, Matt Millen, who uh, you know, four Super Bowl rings, Oakland Raiders, L.A. Raiders, right. Washington Redskins, San Francisco 49ers. He knew our parents, and he he took us down to his place and had a sit down with us. We were both about 21, 22, getting in fights, and my dad worked for the. The, the cops. So every time we were in trouble, they were right to my dad. Your kid did this again. Your kid did that again. <laughs> it's like the same thing. You know, it's a, it's a small town. And uh, so he, he had a big talk with us. He goes, Hey, man, if you guys keep on going the way you're going, you're going to be in, you know, you're going to probably end up in jail. He goes, You guys got to do something with yourself. And he said, Nah, if you always like that pro wrestling, why don't you and Sags try that? So then we went and proceeded to bother because at the time the Philadelphia Civic Center where they shot the TV in Philly burned down. So then they went to Allentown and did TV from Hamburg and Allentown. So our one buddy uh, that we knew uh, ran the quality in where all the wrestlers stayed and he knew George the Animal really good. So me and Sag bugged George the Animal and you know that you're in the business now you know, like we were like stalkers. We were driving around and he was in the car and this and that. So I think he kind of pissed him off a little bit. So he ended up calling us one day and said, you guys, I heard you want to be in wrestling. I said, yes, Mr. Steele. He goes, why don't you and your buddy come down here? And he had uh, Schnooka, Bob Orton Jr. and Paul Orndorff. And <laughs> God bless Paul right now. He's going through a rough time, I heard. Right, right. And uh, prayers to him. But uh, uh, to stretch us. And I said, we're working right now. Uh, we can't uh, 
you know, we, we, we can't come, but oh man, I, we wish, I wish we could come down there and meet everybody. And, and, and he goes, well, if you're really serious and he's real stern, he said, if you're really serious about getting in the business, you're going to Vern Gagne's school. And at the time you had to have an, an application and a resume and everything. And we put Matt in there as our, our, you know, uh, reference. And Brad Riggins was the trainer and he was a bronze medal champ. He was a real right. Olympic champion. He was like Kurt Angle, you know, with Greco-Roman. I mean, he right. threw Leon White. Leon came in like a tough guy from the LA Rams and weighing about 375. And he threw him through the shower with a suplex. I mean, he didn't mess with Brad. So we went there and we lived on the bottom of Brad's and the camp was right outside. So even if we wanted to miss a day, there was no missing a day because Brad knew we were down there. So we had, you know, so then we were down there and three months with just Olympic match, no wrestling ring, no nothing. Getting stretched every day, every day, every day. <laughs> and five hours. And then the worst was like after Brad would wear you out, you know, every every once in a while, then Vern would come down, or one of the older guys, and and then take Vern would take his tie off of that, and then he put you in shooter holes, and you'd be screaming like Stu would do, you know. So it was right. that kind of camp. They treat you with respect because they didn't want you to actually pass the school. They wanted you to go home. So we started with 22 guys, and me and Cy were the only ones to make it because our car broke down and we couldn't get the hell out of there. We, we lived on the bottom of the ground, so we were stuck, baby. So then afterward, you know, we went out with Brad and he took us to uh, Buck Zumoff's bar after the, the matches the one night, you know, and this is, we were, we were about five months off after in, in school now. We're, we're kind of graduating and, uh, uh, Buck Zumoff, you know, got us loaded and our old personas came out from back home and we threw Buck Zumoff in, a, in his shot stool. He had this shot stool where you just throw the guy back and you put all kind of uh, drinks in him like they do in New Orleans that when right. they had in New Orleans. <laughs> right, right. So, so uh, we threw him in like, screw this shit, threw him in, threw all kind of whiskey. So the next day, Brad called Kurt right up on the phone says, hey, I got two guys. I think they're going to make it. I think you need to meet them. And Kurt, <laughs> man, and he became our mentor and the rest is history. And we got the rep of all reps because everybody still tells our stories today. Brutus was just talking on a podcast, telling our stories. He says, Brutus, don't you have those stories of your own? What do you have to use our stories for? Your stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, you know, was, was, it was, was Kurt around the world? Was Kurt already um, established? Kurt was already uh, established. He was AWA wrestling for the bell against mm. Nick Bockwinkle. And he had already gone through uh, like in the early 80s with Mr. Fuji. So Mr. Fuji took him under his wing back in WWF days right. and told him about the ribbing and this and that. And Kurt went back up to Minneapolis with AWA because during that time, there was only four major companies. There was AWA, there was uh, WWF, there was NWA, and then you had uh, the Von Erichs in Texas. That was the major part of it, but each had their own and everybody had their still own the old territory. So Bob Geigel had Kansas City, but we never saw that. But the major ones were AWA, 
NWA and WWF, you know, so, right. and we were in uh, AWA that was on ESPN at the time, you know, and then we started and then our first jobs were ring boys and refereeing and, you know, that was a another that, six months. And then, is that where you met yeah. in AWA where you met the, like the, my dad and my uncles and stuff? Uh, we, you know, yeah, we, we didn't meet your dad in AWA. We met him down, down the line a little bit after, after, mm. uh, like we met, uh, Adrian there, Bob Orton Jr. Uh, you know, a lot of guys would come through, but your dad, your dad never came through there. I forget when we met your dad, but, uh, we hit it off right away because we were already carrying that rep with us. I mean, right. you know, right, right when, yeah, because the ribs were happening and the, and the word was getting out, you know? Right. You know, the hotel almost got burned down in Grand Fork, North Dakota. We got bl we got blamed for everything, even though we didn't do it. <laughs> oh, you, you always know, say we oh, we, didn't, we didn't do that. We never did anything bullshit. You yeah, guys did a lot. Kurt was behind most of it. Kurt's begging <laughs> us on when you hey, when you're the young kids, all you do is go, yes, sir, okay. Right. You know, we sat. He had a thing going, and Wahoo was the booker. Him and Ray Stevens, and we're at this hotel. And he had these, he stopped and bought all these fireworks and he had these two big Roman candles, 50, 50 a piece. And he had me and Sag in the back of his SUV Bronco with the window down and someone banged on Wahoo's door and he wakes up, it's about <laughs> two in the morning. I'm like, who's doing this, who's that? And he opens the door and all of a sudden, bing, boom, but red, yellow, and all these fireballs are going into the <laughs> So the next day, who gets called in the office? Me and Saggy were sitting there like two little schoolboys, and there's Ray Stevens and Wahoo cussing us out. Kurt comes by the window on the outside of the building, he's making faces at us, and he goes, Well, boys, you're fired. And then Ray Stevens goes to me, and Nobs, when you get drunk, you act like an asshole. And I'm like, Here's two of the craziest wrestlers. Ray exactly. Stevens did everything in his day, Wahoo did everything. Right, right. Wahoo well, we even got caught after he was out of business. He used Flair's truck and he was transporting about 200 pounds of weed from <laughs> South Carolina to North Carolina. So what the hell are these two guys telling us? We're crazy and they were way, way crazier than us. Right, right. They had their time and they were, you know, back in the day, it was balls to the wall. You know how that goes. Yes, so, true. Uh, you know, we went down after that. We went, He called us a week later and said, hey, I got you. He called us, you two assholes. I got you a job. And we went down to uh, Tennessee. And that's where we really, you know, we were we were working good. But when we got down to Tennessee, that was every day, you know, uh, Mondays, Memphis, Tuesday, Louisville, Wednesday, $50, Evansville, but six days a week, seven days a week. And we were there for almost a year and a half, two years, and that's what really accomplished us. And plus, we wrestled. We got to know the Rockers. Who, you know, who, who, who was who was the uh, who was the promoter there in, in Tennessee? Jeff Jarrett and, and uh, Jerry Jarrett and, Jarrett. and so, uh, so uh, Memphis. Waller. Gotcha. Yeah. So, gotcha. but uh, okay. so Memphis, but, sure. uh, in AWA, who was pulling a lot of ribs was Marty and Sean, and they were our right. age, so they got. We got to be really good friends with them, and then there was a young guy, old guy thing going on there at the time, and you know, and and then and, you know, Sean never took nothing. He was a cocky guy, from, <laughs> young cocky kid, but he had me and Sag behind him, and you know, he knows he could do what he did. So uh, <laughs> we 
we just did our thing. And then when we left AWA about maybe six months later, they came down to, to Tennessee also. Then we all lived in one bedroom apartment. And that's where <laughs> I babysit the rock. He was, uh, uh, me and Sag, uh, uh, Rocky and, and, um, you know, the rock's mom, um, Anna. Anna, right. uh, yeah. and Rocky all state and then the moon dogs, us, another group of wrestlers. And it was like a kayfabe village there off Murfreesboro road in Tennessee. And Marty and Sean came down and we only had a one bedroom and me and Sag had two little twin beds. And, <laughs> and Marty, uh, Sean slept in the, on the couch and Marty slept on the floor. And they never looked for another place. They just stayed with us. And then one day we woke up. One night it was like two in the morning, and we smelled something burning. And we had a fake fireplace that you know you, you turn on the switch and it has that gas come up, and you have like little flames. Marty's throwing all his bills in there like it's a real fireplace. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing, you dumb idiot? I said that's fake. You burn down the whole freaking complex, you know? So, so, some of the kind of things we did. <laughs> Smoke, smoke all inside the house. Oh, yeah. and, the and, oh, and of course, Kurt had to come down to wrestle Lawler. And every time he came down, you know, oh, my word. Uh, poor, poor Jimmy, Jimmy Suzuki liked us and was going to put us on the cover and say up and coming this and that. So what does he do? He, he, he drives with us, but we're in the back seat. We let Kurt drive the brand new car. I just bought uh, one of them Tauruses and Steve Kern came in. And that's how we met Steve through Tennessee. And uh, Steve goes, you know what day it is today? And we said, no, he said, it's December 7th. And, you know, Japan. And, Pearl, and, Pearl Harbor, and, yeah. And all, yeah. And all of a sudden, they, uh, uh, Kurt threw matches back. Jimmy Suzuki's shirt was on fire. And, <laughs> and, and then he, he got back and he didn't want to stay at our place. And well, long story short, they... No eyebrows for Jimmy and half of his head shaved. And, and the next day, he went to Louisville and uh, Grammy Jarrett, you know, Jeff's grandmother, uh, Jerry's mom, was going, Who did this to you? And of course, <laughs> the nasty one again, but Kurt was right behind everything, you know. <laughs> Every time Kurt came down, something happened, you know. Right, so, right. And then we went back up to AWA. And then, uh, I don't know what happened that time, but we get canned again. So then we said, well, Steve said we could come down anytime to Florida Championship Wrestling. So we just showed up and said, we're here. We want to wrestle. So we slept at that uh, sportatorium off 6th Avenue for about a month. Our uh, <laughs> old crappy old building with the ring in it. They used to do TV out of there. But what a, what a, you know, a, a you know, legendary place that was and all the wrestlers that came through there and Dusty Rhodes and this and that. And then Dusty came back, left NWA at the time, came back and joined Mike and Steve and then, you know, made it bigger than it was. And then he left for WWE when they put the polka dots on him. But he took us in as a mentor and then eventually sagged uh, hooked up with his wife and his wife and Dusty's wife for sister. So, and Sagan, you know, uh, you know, Dusty were brother-in-laws, you know, and then Typhoon married one of the sisters, 
Uh, they're not married no more, but he was one of the brother-in-laws too. So I said, that would be Look a hell of a Thanksgiving meal. reunion. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Tugboat, and you, and you, know, know. And you know, SAG was just ribbing all of them, ribbing Dusty and ribbing Tugboat and ribbing, you know. Oh, yeah. He's always... I, He's always ribbing somebody. Yeah, I remember right? when. He still uh, does it today. I said, I know. Now I said, grow the grow the fuck up. I said, <laughs> it's not like we're twenties no more. You know. <laughs> yeah, I remember WCW. We're in WCW and, and uh, Joey Mags and God rest his soul. But he was there and he and he had his car and you guys kept giving crap. He's a uh, Mitsubishi Diamante. <laughs> hey, we're gonna ride it. We're gonna ride in Joey's Mitsubishi G Diamante today. He's gonna give us a ride. But anybody else want to ride in Mitsubishi? BC Diamante and he kept saying it, kept saying it. <laughs> hey, hey, we we ripped so many people, dude. It's like, you know, and then uh Ron Simmons, I got along with everybody, like Booker T's a great friend, right. uh, Ron Simmons, Butch Reed. I mean, any of the old timers loved us. They all loved us because, you know, a lot of them guys like Piper and your dad and that, they weren't uh the guys to go along with the office. There were guys that go along with the office and everybody knows who they are. I don't have to mention no names. And there were guys that weren't guys. That they were the rebels. Were yeah. Yeah. Right. Boys. Yeah. And they weren't rebels or nothing. They were just guys for the boys and the boys stuck together. Well, in our days, it was Buddy Rose and Colonel De Beers. They were the locker room lawyers always trying to discuss, you know, like, Burns trying to get this out of you, you know, there's right. always something. I mean, I saw so much stuff happen because Kurt stirred it up. I mean, I mean, uh, <laughs> Vince got choked out by nails, and I know that was Kurt's doing because Kurt was ribbing boss, uh, um, ribbing nails on the ride home. That boss man got more than him on the paper <laughs> when they wrestled together by like 200 grand. So that, that TV in Green Bay, you know, Dales went in and wanted to have a discussion with him. He goes, you owe me $200,000. He says, for what? He goes, because you paid boss, man. And I know it was all made up. I know it was made up by Kurt. It was never brought out, but I know Kurt it off. And before did, did, you know did, it. Did you guys see it? Sag did, because the door was open. And then Sag right. yelled, Sarge, he's got him. And he got uh, Nails grabbed him by the throat, picked him up, threw him down, and I guess he broke his arm. And and uh, <laughs> and, uh, and the Steiners had just come in. That was their first day in the WWF, and I looked at them because we had a, we always got along good with them. And I said, "Hey guys, welcome to the WWF." You know, so. <laughs> Well, that was like like uh, one of uh, uh, WCW Eddie and Benoit's first and and Malenko's like their first week is when the Orndorff and the uh, um, um, Vader incident happened when oh, they got oh, yeah. in a fight right there. That was like their first day, like their first week, and they're looking around. And they're like in the you know the big uh, where the uh, whatever it where the big old banquet room at, at at Disney when we used to do that. As they're sitting there and they're watching, you know, Orndorff punt. Uh, uh, I'll kick the shit out with flip flops yeah. on. <laughs> and it's beating him, kick him in the face. And they're like, uh, is this what it's like here? <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got blamed for, and I'm I'm going on record now. We got blamed for your uh, uncle's eyebrows, Eddie's, and we never did it. Just they don't believe it. I mean, we, we I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I believe that I you guys did it. <laughs> and, you know what? And, and who would think Barbarian would want to do it? And he was so giddy after he did it. Oh, no, not funny. And, <laughs> and, and 
And uh, Chris did it. And then Benoit. Yeah. <laughs> but we did do we did do Art Bar. Now tell me that story. Tell me that story. Why did you guys? So anybody listening, uh, you know the Nasty Boys were just you know notorious rivers. And if you guys, if they anybody sold anything, if anybody was sitting there and registered anybody, they were just like sharks in the water and more and more and more. So tell me about Art Bar. Why did you cut Art Bar's hair and shave his eyebrows? Four weeks, you know. Usually it was three weeks, four weeks over Japan, you know. And you're every day you're resting and you're on the bus and you're going to another town and and, you know it's, it's a lot of travel. And every day, I mean, Art liked to talk, a nice kid, good worker, great, great worker. And, uh, you know, just like his whole family was. But he, he was bragging the whole time that he got $30,000 for a hair match in Mexico. $30,000, $30,000. And after three weeks, we were like, this, you know, screw this shit. And we got all loaded. And then he even put the chain across his door, but, you know, we're the nasty boys. We got in there, so <laughs> so it ends up that uh, somebody got his eyebrows and half of his hair, and so about I would say f- seven in the morning, man, they're banging on my door, bum 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 bum, and it's your uncle and, Eddie. and Art, and your uncle Art ain't saying a word, but he has a hat on, and he's going. <laughs> You motherfuckers, who do you think you are? This is Eddie saying this to us. He goes, you did this to my my partners. I said, did what? I didn't do anything. We were drinking last night. What happened? I, I'm, I'm playing dumb. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So they're knocking on the door. So Eddie goes off of me and does like a 10-minute promo. And I said, you know, I'm playing dumb. What? And I'm I'm really half big time all over with the shoe high and that dynamite you got me on, uh, you know, in the 88 and that when we were in that. When we got ribbed, our asses off by the craziest tool you could ever be on with all the legends, you know, and dynamite and baby boy, we sat right behind them and dynamite used me and sagged his head like ashtrays the whole trip. I had a big hole here burned in the back of my head after the trip. But anyway, uh, you know, I said, what? What's going on? And Art took his hat off, and he had no hair at all. He shaved the rest of it off and no eyebrows. And then all of a sudden, they go, they were, they were going to pick my ass. I could tell. And all of a sudden, the Tory was on the same floor as all the boys. You know, he he's the one that runs all the guy jeans. And he ran down. He goes, he screamed, hey, what the hell are you doing? Get the fucking bed. We gotta get out of the bus. And then they, they, you know, everybody, you know, he was the man. So everybody, so I told Sag what happened. So we all go on the bus and, you know, you know, you've been in Japan. Everybody has their seat. Once you pick your seat out, that's your seat for that's the whole tour. So Art went to his seat and on his seat was a bag of his hair with a yen. That was worth like about maybe in U.S. dollars, maybe about 50 cents. And uh, that was, was, but when he got to the building, 
Oh, it was big. You know, all the young boys, even, uh, you know, like Chono and, and Hashimoto and them. So then, you know, then, then, then they even, uh, you know, are, are, you know, are ribbing and, but, you know, our stories all the time got even bigger because now everybody in Japan goes, oh, nasty boys, oh, you know. So, was and, was uh, that the same tour that Eddie's eyebrows were shaved? No, that different was a different tour. tour. Okay, I okay. wasn't on that one with, with that Eddie. was just, okay. that was with when uh Eddie and, and Chris were tagging together a lot. Okay. You know what okay. I mean? Yeah, yeah. I remember I remember seeing Eddie. There. I remember I remember seeing Eddie when he came back from that tour and he's you would cut they'd cut his hair so his his mullet was really, really short in front, shaved his eyebrows and, and cut his uh his mustache into like a Hitler mustache. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, he wrote in a book. He was so mad at me, and I told him we didn't do it. He didn't believe us, but we did. And Barb knows it. He'll never, he'll never admit it. You know, the the one thing, uh, like I told him, you know, prayers go out to Paul, but Paul Orndorff told me, kid, if anything I can teach you, never admit a rib. Right. No matter right. how many people, well, yeah, never admit, never admit it. You know, but. Ah, uh, so many years now. I really could care, you know. I mean, yeah, right, right, right. right. <laughs> That's but, awesome. <laughs> but I always wanted to tell Eddie, and then I went to your. Uh, that would have been so. Uh, what was Eddie's mom to you? Uh, That's your my, gra grandma. my grandma. That's my grandma. Yeah. Well, I went over to eat dinner over there. Oh, I got my butt chewed out by her, and I said, <laughs> "I promised you I didn't do it," because she had a big dinner for all the boys in El Paso. We were there. And they invited us over. I went over to Nate and, and she goes, you're the one that shaved my son's eyebrows off. I said, I tried into it. And Benoit was right there and he had a big old smile on his face because he knew he did it. I was like, I'm still getting shit over that. You Benoit know? would never admit anything. Oh, Nothing. No, he no. would never Even admit with anything. Owen, Hart. Owen was a big river and no one knew right. it. Oh yeah, and but we got blamed. Us and the right. Rockers would get blamed for everything. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I remember hearing uh, uh, when the the uh, the special kid was backstage all the time in WWE. Eugene, the original Eugene, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know he you know they'd keep him around and let him keep around and stuff. And and uh, Vince walks in. This is this is from uh, Davy Boy was telling. So Vince walks in with this beautiful you know, mink coat, you know, beautiful coat, beautiful coat. So uh, Dave is getting ready to go to the ring and he's got his, you know, his big union Jack robe on and stuff. And Eugene's like, Hey, Davey, I, I love your, I love your, I love your jacket. You got a nice jacket. I want a jacket like that. So he's like, Oh, you do. Well, hold on a second. And he went into Vince's office and Vince was there and put that gave him the mink jacket, the mink coat, and Eugene's, you know, about four foot tall, and he's walking around with his mink coat on, walking around, and he's dragging all over the ground. And Vince sees him like, "What, what, what the hell's going on?" And he's like, "David boy, give me this jacket. This is my ring jacket." <laughs> hey, they did the Bulldogs did the same thing with Honky Tonk's uniform and put it on Eugene. Oh, Honky Tonk went crazy, came back after wrestling, and, and Eugene had his his jumpsuit on, they held his jumpsuit right there and acted like honky tonk. Oh, dude, we were on a, uh, our first, our first tag team tournament over Japan was in 88. And we were on with 
Abdul and Tiger Jet Singh was a team. Uh, Tenaru and Stan Hansen, Terry Gordy and Steve Irwin, uh, uh, one of the long riders, uh, right. then uh, the British Bulldogs. I mean, you you name it, uh, they were on it. You know what I mean? And then uh, uh, learned some stuff over there. I never thought, you know, I seen some stuff over there. I just said, wow, you know, I mean, we went to a, a club and uh, the whole elevator was filled with Japanese people and Terry Gordy, it opened up and Terry Gordy just was grabbing people by there, get out! He threw them all out and kicked them. I said, you can do that here? He goes, at the time they didn't have lawsuits there. So right. you could almost do almost anything back then in the eighties, you know? Right. And right. I never saw anything like that. I went, oh my God. I said, this is, this is too much. And then of course, getting ripped by dynamite and, and more, more dynamite than Davey at the time every day. But then, I heard dynamite was ruthless, but dynamite really took a liking to us. You know, at yeah. first he did because the first night we met him, we were all drinking and then Davey boy took us to go somewhere and we went with him and we forgot to pay our tab. So he thought these young guys are trying to screw around with me and, and, and left me with the tab. And he, he came right up to us the next day and we apologized. We gave him the money. We said, we, we did not know. We are so sorry, Dynamite. I said, uh, Davey Boy took us out. We didn't know how much we owed. It was our first time over there, you know? So we were really new to everything over there, but uh, what a great way to learn. And then, uh, of course, uh, Dynamite would call Ab Abby's room the whole night and go, heavy chat. I mean, from like 8, <laughs> 6.30 in the morning. I mean, and Abby would keep his room door open. I don't know why. I don't think he was scared or whatever, but he would keep his, uh, you know, his, his hotel room door open, you know? So it was, it was quite the scene. And we wrestled for both. We went for uh, Baba uh, you know, in the beginning All and Japan, then we ended yeah. up for Anoki, yeah. Right, you know? New Japan, right, right. So, so anybody gonna... doesn't know is that is that back in the day, this was... They were like the Wild West back in the day. You got the biggest, craziest dudes all together for three weeks or six weeks or nine weeks in Japan going crazy. Just, just you know, and back then Japan was very, wasn't even Americanized as much. So you guys had to rib just to keep saying, you know. Yeah, and, and Stan Hansen going out there and just beating the, the, the fans up with the, with the cowbell and the rope and, you know, but I saw that uh, documentary and that was the only good one. Like I was talking about hardcore and we got kind of started the thing with hardcore back in, you know, uh, before hardcore was even known with Cactus and that. We had the first match. and But then I looked at old Brody things and Brody was doing that stuff in Japan yeah. 20 years before we ever thought about doing it with the chairs and going into the fans and just you know, ripping people apart, you know? The bull rope, and yeah, the, the cowbell. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. yeah totally. Tiger Jet Singh had that, that sword-like. He would right. go whip the people, and Abby would run after everybody, you know? I mean, he would scare everybody with them boots, and, you know, he had to watch his fingers because every one of them had uh, blades on them. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I didn't get to see that in Japan. It was already kind of starting to get uh, kayfabe, you know, with... Uh, you know, the right. States for sure. But when we were in India, we were in India wrestling for uh, Jarrett's thing, that Rinka King. 
I saw it there, man. I saw uh, Abyss and Steiner would run into the crowd, and people would, they believe, they would scatter like flies, man. It was incredible. I was like, wow. Yeah, we got attacked in Singapore. We uh, jumped the killer bees, and the whole crowd jumped us. We had to fight our way back, and Kerry Brown, and I forget, Frenchie Martin was there, Brady Boone at the time. They ought to come back and help us fight back to the locker room, and the cops had to take us out of the building, but it was a sold-out crowd, and we cheated, and they, they all they threw water bottles and shoes at us. Luckily, nobody had no knives or nothing, but we were, right. we were, we were in Singapore, right? Uh, what I wanted to tell you, when we first got in there, our first big break when we got into WCW, they came up to us and nobody wanted to wrestle the Steiners. Uh, the Steiners were hurting people, they said, and nobody wants to wrestle them. They throw them around, this and that, da, 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 da. Would you guys want to wrestle them? We'd like to put you guys against them. We said, sure, we're barroom fighters. Man, they threw us every which way but loose. Never hurt <laughs> us a bit, but we'd get right up and punch them in the face. And, and you know, and we really became the best of friends. And we still are to this day, Ricky and Scotty and me and Sag. And we had the greatest matches in that match in Halloween Havoc 1990. If people would ever check it out, that is the match that got us to Vince. A week later, Hulk called me and said, Vince wants to talk to you. I told him, yeah, right, you're full of shit. And then all of a sudden, Vince called and, uh, you know, offered us. Uh, we were getting offered pretty good damn money that from only making maybe – I know 50 grand a year, it was definitely six digits it with, uh, with WCW. And Vince was no money, but he guaranteed us we make three or four times more than that to sign, sign for no money. And he wasn't lying, we did. And they pushed us and then, you know, they pushed us right up. We came in with Undertaker in November of uh, 90. And, uh, and then in 91, uh, they, well, 91, they put me in the Royal Rumble, Mont Sag, and I looked on the board, I got in at like 15, and then I'm looking down, okay, when am I getting thrown out? And I see me, Earthquake, and Hogan at the end, I'm going, what? Me? <laughs> and then that's the power Hulkamania was still running wild, and I saw, you know, so he said, well, how do you want to go out, kid? And I said, you give me your big foot, I'll take it out backwards. He goes, you're a pretty big guy. You think you can do that? I said, no problem. He hit me with that foot. I had so much adrenaline going through. I was I was over the top rope backwards, but I don't know how I landed. I probably screwed myself up then, but it didn't matter because I was so pumped up and being in there. And then they pushed us right to WrestleMania 7, Hard Foundation, which was what I, Brett still says is one of my favorite tag team matches he ever had. And it was a good match, and we won the belts. But you know how much heat that brought on us? Because we just got there, and we're young guys. The Road Warriors were there for a year, and they still didn't get the belts. And they had the belts everywhere. Power and glory, Hercules and Paul Roman. And Herc, you know, but, oh, man, they were all like hating us. And, of course, we had to come in when everybody's working out with the WWF straps on and ice cream cones while everybody's working out. <laughs> Are you guys having a good workout today? And, you know, rubbing it in a little bit, but that we got all that shit from Kurt, you know? Uh, that, that attitude stuff, you know? Kurt was the best, man. I miss him a lot. I miss a lot of my buddies a lot. I mean, a lot of them ain't here no more, but I'll tell you, we lived a, we lived a hell of a life on the road. I mean, nobody knows, you know? 
Uh, right. You talk about now, I heard they said Kevin Owens needs a break. Uh, I said, read that yesterday or something, you know. Dude, go six, seven, eight, nine, ten years in a row, 300 days a year with, you no know, break. one or two yeah. days off. And, you know, I think Kirk had the record. He went like seven months straight without a day off until you flip out. And yeah. once you flip out, then Vince would take you off the road, you know. Yeah, I mean, Kurt, mentally, I, you know. I loved Kurt was such a great guy, man. I loved Kurt. He was, he was, God, what a, what a, what a, just, just great guy, man. Especially when you get to and know talented. him, man. Oh, oh, and talented. Yeah. So talented. So talented. Yeah. But that's the way it was back in the day. You guys were, you guys just went, you never stopped. It was three months, four straight months, you know. I told you, we had that, we had that little uh, get together that time. Man, what a, what a uh, classic that was. And that was when I was already, you know, you know, SAG was already out and all that stuff, and they had that closing in the Cow Palace. But man, that was one of the best times in that room with Piper, your dad, me, the Hammer, just all the boys, but mo mo mostly the legendary guys. And I sat back and listened to their stories, and I was going, "And you just called me, but me and SAG bad. You guys did. I mean." There was no rules for you guys back then. Oh, you know, yeah. It was, <laughs> Those guys it did was not stop. The wall. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Some of the stories my dad was telling me back in the day, I was like, wow. And those are the ones he told me. I mean, the ones that he didn't tell me is crazy, you know? Yeah. And then, well, your dad uh, was up. He was in with Red Bastine and them, right? Right, right. I met him. He was a very nice man. He had, he had like a right. territory in California out there. But right. we didn't get out that much because we were usually always – if we were AWA, no, everybody had their territories. AWA was Iowa, the Dakotas, uh, you know, uh, Illinois, Indiana, you know, and then and you had the NWA had their little North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, you know. So yeah, all the different territories. Now that's all wiped away. And, right. and it's getting back to where at least there's other companies to go to, which is good, like AEW. You got Impact back again. At, they're doing good. You got that Major League Wrestling, and then you got uh, uh, the Mexican Wrestling uh, over there. The yeah, AAA, New Japan. They're yeah. all doing really good. They're it's all good doing to see really them. Well. Yeah. And, and yeah. we need that. I mean, for yeah. when, when he bought the uh, company, Vince did in, what was it, 2000, 2000 2001 or whatever, uh, for, for all them years, there was really no second company. TNA never held a candlestick. Right. I mean, Jeff, Jeff tried, but, you know, that's stupid. I never liked that octagon ring and, and all that you stuff. You know, it just, it's hard, bro. When you got a, a juggernaut, you would say that juggernaut, that, that like WWE yeah. is so huge. Everything else is, is just, you know, they're knockoffs, yeah. you know. And, and still, he still knows how to do it better than anybody. I watch him and it, it just... It's unbelievable. And, and Kevin Dunn's a big part of that. He helps him out big time. And that's his right-hand guy in the production. And they, they got the formula now, brother. They just, And, and uh, like you said, Shane and Stephanie learned well. They learned from a master. And, and he's not a billionaire for nothing. That's for sure. Exactly. So, you know. and, but I'm um, glad to see there's other leagues out there now because not so much for – not only the fans, but for the wrestlers themselves, because there's other places to go. For but sure. you got to learn how to wrestle. And, you know, just going to the developmental school down at WWE, 
You yeah. they only take so you, many people. You only learn, you only learn a certain a certain style there, you know. Exactly. That's why you guys are so good because and I was talking to uh Steve Kern one time. He was telling me, he's like, Man, you didn't even make it to the WWF back in the day until you were 10 or 15 years in because yeah. they only took the, the top of the top. He goes, So we would go, we were everywhere. We had already been uh, you know, in eight different territories. We were babyface, we were a heel, we were a tag team, we were a single, we would do a manager gimmick, we would kind of wear a mask. We had done everything. So by the time we got there, we were already super polished. But what, what we see a little bit now is that, you know, a lot of times people are just start they 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 get picked, get recruited. They say they're a football player or a weightlifter or something, get recruited to WWE Performance Center, then trained a certain way, then go to WWE. And they, so they only know one style, you know? Right. And that's yeah, what I think is lacking. No yeah, you learned everything. Yeah. Well, well, because you're st- the, the the Mexican style is totally different. Totally. And, and you go from the other side, and and even the English style, we learned different. from Billy Robinson, and he was right. a he was a I well, I hated him. You know, I know they put him big, in it, but he was a, he really hated the young guys, and he came in and, and went to Indria. You know, like he put you down on all fours and then he'd jump and drive his knee in the back of your ribs just to break them. This is when we were young going through the camp. So right. he always, he always had, he was always that kind of guy, but he, uh, it was different. So, but then when we learned like, uh, you know, we met Lord Regal and Lord Regal knew what we went through and he, uh, uh, Tony Sinclair, we met him before we met Lord Regal. What a nice guy he was, but they were always overseas in Germany and Japan. Right. Nobody knows. Styles. I don't know if it's any different now, but in Japan, they never cheered. You could do it. Right. If they do a move, they clap and that's it. So you never get the, the you know, reaction you do from it fans like a, over like here. 10,000 people and you could hear a pin drop, right? You could, you, there right. was ways to get them. You had, you, but you had to, you had to figure that style out, you know? Yeah, and, you had to figure out, you had to figure yeah. it all out. And nobody gave you the notebook. Everybody said, you know, that, you know, but there were guys, if you ask the right people, man, even Dynamite, and they gave us pointers because we weren't scared to ask. I always was asking, hey, could you watch my match? Could you do this? And, and a lot of, mostly everybody that I asked always said, no problem. And then they would take me back and let me know. You know what I mean? So, right. I mean, even a lot, a lot of people uh, give them credit, but uh, Nick Bockwinkle was a hell of a worker. I mean, oh, Nick was know. a huge, great worker. He was the man, oh, yeah. smooth, you know, like silk. Right. So yeah. you go through everybody that, you know, that I got to be, you know, Hogan's, uh, you know, close uh, friend there for a long time and went through a lot of stuff, but just to be around him and see the difference in uh, being on that top level, you know, being on right. that, that, you know, cause there's not too many people that are up there. There's, you know, there's Macho, there's Piper, there's your pops up there. And, you know, there's a lot of legendary guys that are up there. Oh, Flair, of course. And I, I still have to put flair. I mean, for the age, he still did stuff. You know, I mean, that right. last match, I don't know how old he was with, with Sean. And, and, you know, still incredible, right? And he still goes out and does the stuff. And he still has the same persona. You know, he's still yeah. out there loving life. And, you know, there, that's there's, a re- there's a reason why those guys were on top of the way they worked. So I, I tell anybody, listen, you have to watch these guys work. Every single night, we would be you know, in the back after our matches were done watching the main events because of the fact that there's a main, they're there a main event for a reason. There's a, there's a yeah. reason why people are reacting to them. It's not just because they got the machine behind them or getting the big push. No, they, they're in the ring 
working their butts off and and you, and they're just they're just the they're the way they slow down and the way they do certain things at the right time that's why they were and how were you how were there. we trained we were trained your first match you do this second you that's build right. and let the let the main event take everything now everybody from first match on tries to outdo everybody else where that's not right. the way the system used to work it was First match to the second match. Then fourth match sometimes could be the main event when Hulk wanted to get out of there early and then had the last match. And we used to get thrown in the last match a lot with the Road Warriors, which was like a, another main event. A different, but, yeah. You know, and, or every matches have to be different. That's a thing now. You Every match, when you put a show together, every match should be different. If, you're, if you have five tag team matches and they're all doing the same stuff, it all looks the same. I don't care who's in the ring. Well, but once you have different... Yeah, different matches. The first match, you'd say, keep it in the mat. Keep it in the ring, right? Keep it on the mat. Second one, do this. Then you throw, you know, the, like a women's match out there. Then you do like, you know, a Lucha Libre yeah. type match. Then you do a tag team match. Then you go back to a single. Then you do, there was a reason right. for everything until the main event. That was the, it's like a movie. The The end of the movie should be the best part. And that's what a show should you, be. I want to ask you, what do you think about what really gets me these days? And who the hell is I just talking about just the other day? The one-two kick out. Please, or every time, every time, how yeah. many can you put in a match? That those was are only for... saved, those are saved for certain, certain big moves, exactly. certain this no. and now it's it's like constant, like literally a, a, a tackle cover. There's one, two and a half kick out, and it's yeah. like, why are they doing that? Just kick out on one, you're okay, you can kick exactly. out on one, yeah, yeah. It's 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 it, they ruined the, the thing because when someone did do that, it meant something like they thought right. it was a finish. Now everybody gives their finish. And everybody's kicking out of everybody's finish. You yeah. knew when Stone Cold gave the stunner, that was it. Or, or when Hulk gave the leg drop, that was it. Exactly. You know, nobody's kicking out of this. Nobody's kicking out of that. When somebody gave their finish, that was that was the deal. You know what I mean? Right. So right, right. Who kicked, how many so people much, kicked out of that? Changed. The leg drop. The leg drop. Who kicked out yeah. of the leg drop? I mean, very, very, very few people. Like Warrior no. did it, you know, and right. you know they you didn't do it because that was it. It was hey, the big right. hit the rope, big leg drop, then you're done. You know, big boot, hit the yeah. rope, leg drop, one, two, three. But you know, like I, when I tell people that when they say stuff, I say, well, you know what? It's like anything. Football's changed. You know, it, it, you know, they don't play it like they used to. You could, can anyway, you know, with the concussions and all that. But sure. even basketball, hockey. Yeah, it's all kind of, yeah, it's all, it's all kind of, yeah. But, but back when we were, you know, going through the business and you were you know, just coming up, you know, you, you right. saw all the wild crap. And oh, yeah. it was it was like we were a part of the Rolling Stones, man. We were like a rock group going out there, uh, entertaining the people and and partying to the dawn and getting on a plane and doing it all over again for 300 days a year. So you yeah, guys no were, but you guys were. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you were the Rolling Stones. You guys were rock stars. You guys would go places and, and, yeah. and party like that and stuff. And, and in fact, the times that you partied with rock stars, they were going, gosh, damn, these, these wrestlers can party. Oh, yeah. you know? <laughs> I, had a, I had a couple of good encounters with different celebrities and uh, you yep. know, some that are memorable. You got you a couple know, good, like Willie Nelson. What's up with Willie? Willie, does he still avoid you at all cost? <laughs> oh, no, Willie's my best friend, dude. He, he's yeah. still talking everything. Yeah, he's yeah. uh, he took me, you know, Dusty uh, introduced us in '88, and yeah. uh, we just became real good friends. And then uh, he sang America the Beautiful at uh, uh, when we won the belts, right. and I said, if we're winning the belts, we're coming over to party with you tonight. 
And he said, come on. And he was at the, the Holiday in Santa Monica and they were fixing the bar and remodeling it. So Kurt came and brought Larry the Axe, who's his dad, you know, old school wrestler, and Shawn Michaels. And I don't forget all the boys that came over with, with us. And Willie had business he was doing up there. And then it got me nervous, like he wasn't going to come down. And, and the Axe was giving Kurt shit this young kid you know he don't know shit he don't really ain't seen a good place look at it's this and that and all of a sudden <laughs> Willie came down and we partied and uh I told Willie I'll give him the bell if he sings Angel Flying Too Close to the Ground with no uh instruments or nothing he sang it everybody was in all then he had this thing that said uh eat shit fuck you you know that the <laughs> final word thing right and every right. time I would say something, he's hitting it. And all the boys are laughing. You know, and he's like, you're making an ass out of me. He's like, okay, Willie, do it one more time. And I'm going to put you in the biggest airplane spin you were ever in. And he put, fuck you. And I put him in an airplane spin. And LG, who uh, was his uh, security and still is, he got on the bus. Uh, uh, he's a Hell's Angels and uh, never got off. And Gator, his bus driver, going, put him down, Nobs. And I was spinning around, and Willie's hands and legs were going, and I was spinning up. And then they <laughs> shut the bar down, and then we went to the bus. And, oh, my God, uh, uh, the stories <laughs> that uh, Willie's crew tells, that, oh, they ruined the bus. And, you know, I was so drunk, <laughs> I was trying to Willie. I did. We won the belts. And, and, he, and then, luckily... Uh, my wife goes, you got to get that belt back because he didn't want to, he wasn't going to give it back. He was wearing it like a country belt buckle. He wore it the whole night, dude. He was <laughs> ready, you know? That was the old, I still like the old school of WWF yeah. tag team belt, you know? Right, right. But, uh, you know, man, we had such a good time. I mean, then I got into it. Uh, I had my uh, first acting role with uh, Hulkster, one of the Hulksters movies. You want to hear my lines? Yeah, let's hear them. Hey, I was an umpire. <laughs> and so afterwards we went to this really private cigar club that the, the owners were doing the movie and they became friends with Hulk and I became really good friends with the guy Stan Schuster his name is in the places of Grand Havana room in Beverly Hills it's still there so the Riddick Bowe Hollyfield fight was on so me, of course, Hulkster gets me gooned up and just lets me go and sits in the back. And, you know, <laughs> he's going to let me go and do my thing, and then he'll be coming in to be the, you know, the big hero. So I went over and screwed with Mel, and then I said, hey. Mel, Mel who? I'll bet you on the fight. I'll take. Uh, Mel, Gip Mel Gibson? Yeah, I'll take. Mel Gibson, I'll, um, I said, I'll take both, 50 bucks. He goes, you're on. So then he's at that one end of the bar, and then there's tables there. It's really beautiful. You're talking about this. I'm at the other. And while the fight's going on, I'm being like a football player and going, Bo, Bo, Bo. Well, <laughs> that's the time Bo beat Holyfield. Right. Right? And then I, I go, I went over to Hulk. I said, I just won 50 bucks off Mel Gibson. And Hulk goes, now let me handle it from here. I go, okay, whatever you want to do. So Hulk went up behind him and grabbed him and went, Where's where's my boy's fifty grand? And eyes popped out of his head. He was like, I didn't see. It was fifty dollars. I swear to God, Hulk, it was fifty dollars. Fifty grand. And Hulk goes, Oh no, I'm only kidding. So then the night went on. I got drunker, and then he was trying to show Stan. You know, Mel was into this one-inch punch, 
and he had a telephone book and 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 Stan Schuster that owns the club, you know, him and his brother Brian. Uh he goes, I don't want to do it. He goes, he came over to me, he goes, Hey, would you stand in for me to do this? And Mel wants to do this one inch punch with this telephone book. I said, Sure. So I went over and he goes, He's gonna stand in for me there. So now Mel looks at me and I look at a telephone book. I went, I don't need no telephone book. Hit me anywhere you want with that one-inch punch. I don't need a hell. <laughs> and he goes, I ain't, I ain't touching this guy. He's crazy. <laughs> and then we have a picture of all me, me and the Hulk with cigars out of our mouth. And it's one of uh, A&E's biographies on Hulk, you know. Right. But, uh, yeah, man, we had a blast. It was just a good time. And, and I'm still friends with Stan today. I took – a Shane over there, and 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 uh, he still owns the club, and he still calls me, you know, when he went, right. when he goes to the matches in L.A. and everything. Yeah, good guy, man, really good guy. But he got to like me, and it's a private club. You have to have a box, a cigar right. box. It's all the big wigs, and here's all me, famous and broke. <laughs> that's gonna be the name of my book. Everybody knows who I am, but shit, <laughs> you know, that's what yeah, happens right. when you're a wrestler after fucking. 35 years, Jesus Christmas. <laughs> so there's one thing, dude, definitely that we could do. We could talk for four hours. So maybe we're going right, to do, maybe we'll do a part two for sure. But one thing that I do on the end of Suplex and Cervases is we do some um, rapid fire questions. And there's no okay. right or wrong answer to basically, I throw a couple, you know, what do you like better? You know, blah, 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 whatever. And you tell me what you like just for your fans to get you know Are you feeling more. that stone cold? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, All right. So basically, are you a classic car guy or a new car guy? I'm classic car guy. Classic car. Who, if you had any car, who, who would it be? Uh, I used to like the Chevelles, like the '69, '68. Chevy Chevelles. You know? Heck yes. Heck yeah. yes. Love them. All right. So, uh, would, are you? Would you rather, when you're in wrestling, would you rather be a heel or a face? Heel. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, heel because you know why? Because not to interrupt you, but yeah. when you were a face, you always kind of kind of have to, you know, to the fans. When right. you're a heel, you could just go say, "Here, go yeah. fuck yourself." <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Are you a, a steakhouse guy or a pizza joint guy? Steak. Steakhouse. Okay. Oh yeah, Are you kidding me? Yeah, heck yeah, me too. Uh, uh, blondes or brunettes? Well. Blondes. My wife was blonde when I met her, so yeah, I'm I'm still, you know, she's changed her hair colors after 30 years, and she's probably ready to, you know, uh, you know, shoot me one of these days. But uh, <laughs> we're still together. We're still hanging in there, hanging tough. That's crazy. Uh, are you an MMA guy or a boxing guy? You know what? I I just got into the MMA, but I I'm, I'm still a boxing guy, but right. more. Not anymore. It kind of changed. I'm I'm boxing when you're talking about Ali Hagler, Sugar right. Ray, Roberto right. Duran. When boxing was boxing, I mean they're having some shows on now. Uh, they had one on Ali and this and that, but they have one on called Boxing where they have Hagler on there, and there right. was no nobody liked Marvelous Marvin. They, I mean, he said you know, people would cut off their pinky for a million dollars. That's when he was fight, fighting Hearns. And right. I went to see that fight. That was unbelievable. But uh, yeah, okay. definitely. But, so, but right so now, MMA's, MMA's better, but not, not not too much action. But there's nobody in boxing that really, you know. Yeah, it's not, it's not like the glorious rounds in boxing. Right. 
I mean, it's it's, it's kind of lost. They they need somebody, but I don't know what they would do because nobody yeah. really. Uh, yeah, nobody really. You know, I don't know. Right, but what? Who's your guy? Were you Hagler or Hearns? Oh, Hagler all the way. Yeah, he was. He was. Oh stunner. yeah, Hagler. And you know what? I think he got ripped off. They gave it to Sugar Ray. I don't think he beat Sugar Ray. Beat him. They just gave it to Sugar Ray because he was America's baby. You know what I mean? He was the guy that you know. Yeah, I mean, Ar- he was good, but yeah, but- yeah, yeah, I get. It. I, I, there's a lot of people that feel the same way as you. Yeah, Tyson or Ali? Um, Ali, no one Ali. better than Muhammad. I agree. You know, agree. the greatest and all the stuff he's did, but but boxing, you know, and they even took him out of his realm for you know they right. did that on purpose, you know, the, because he, he you know didn't want to go over to Nam and you know he had his he had his you know the rights and all that stuff, but definitely right. Muhammad and I met him. Really? I met him, uh, yeah, uh, at uh, uh, one of the pay-per-views, and, and Hearns was there, too. And uh, there's a great shot, and I'm telling him, you the man, I'm good. And he has a big old smile on his face, and I got a picture of me and Muhammad together man. with a big laughing, yeah. That's huge. Yeah. yeah, definitely the man. I agree. Stallone or Arnold Schwarzenegger? That's a tough one, but I, I think I got to go with Sly. You know, mm-hmm. Arnold's sure. good, but you know, right. Sly's uh, yeah, they just uh, but Arnold, Arnold gave me uh, acting advice at that Grand Havana room. Oh, after really? I did my first, I had a first uh, my first audition. I went afterwards. I was all nervous and met Hawkstro at the Grand Havana room. You know, right. and he was sitting with Arnold. You know, and well, me and well, me and Hulk came in and and uh, he uh, him and. Um, Arnold went back and forth with some like jabs and he goes, come sit down over here. And then he goes, are you still wrestling? He asked me, are you still wrestling? And I said, are you still working out? You know, and we <laughs> sat down and we were drinking cognac and I told him I had a, my first audition and he goes, when I'll give you a good uh, a rule. He goes, get the casting lady that you just were at and send some flowers over and say, thank you. And that's what I did. Wow. But I still didn't get the part. <laughs> <laughs> you were just out 50 bucks. <laughs> I really. Uh, uh, okay, vodka or tequila? Well, that depends. If I'm with you, definitely tequila. <laughs> and now I got I tried the rocks, but I didn't get it taste it that night we were all together but right. I'm a Don Julio you're a Don Julio too I like right the Don, Don Julio was great yeah so well, sure that, that Willie got Hulu's me on Don Julio nice. oh well, really? Willie okay. got me Willie's the one that got me on Don Julio you know mm. I don't yeah. think he's drinking it anymore but you know he's the one that because it was always Corvo 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 on the bus and they right. said hey this is the new one Willie wants you to try and uh, we had a couple of shots and I said this is good but uh I'm more vodka but when I'm with you, definitely yeah. <laughs> you gotta drink tequila. I mean, right, right. Uh, okay. Uh, I always ask all wrestlers the same question: uh, Waffle House or Cracker Barrel? Cracker Barrel. Cracker Barrel. Even though okay. I don't know, I, you know what? I think I got burned out on the Waffle House because back in the day, I don't know if if it was still the same way. Did you stay at the dungeon there, the Ramada? Oh yeah, oh yeah, the right yeah. right next door, right next door right. was that so, Waffle House. It was open, so no matter. You know, because Atlanta was open all night, so when every time you came in, you know, you always had the Waffle House to go right. in there. So I don't know if it was so much eating at the Waffle House these days, and you don't really have that many Cracker Barrels. But well, you know, Waffle was, House was the, the, yeah. the ticket back then. That was like oh, yeah. the holy grail. 
Well, we'll, pick, we'll pick a, a Cracker Barrel anytime we can get it, but they close early and Waffle Houses stay open late. So there's a lot of times, you know, you're driving in three o'clock in the morning from the other town. Oh, Waffle yeah. House, thank God, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and you know, growing up there, and I mean, how many stories can we tell about that stinking Ramada? Everybody stayed there in the dungeon, that far in the Ramada, that dungeon. Yeah, I know. The dungeon. And that Ramada, and was, a, the Ramada was a shithole. But we didn't give a shit, you know. And we I, all well, stayed there because we all got hooked up there. It was like nineteen dollars a night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I heard, I heard, I was just talking to somebody, and I heard that Delane is still the manager there. Is she really? That's what no someone way. told me. Someone told me. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Oh no, yeah. I yeah. was wondering if she was still alive. Someone was telling you know? me that she's still managed, and this was recent. Was the last few months that she was still manager there. That's when. That's when we came out, and uh, what's his name? Uh, He's not here no more. Elegante was sitting there and, and Cuban was driving him around. Remember? I Oh, you weren't there yet. Cuban mm -hmm. was driving around and he, he goes, David did not pick me up. This and that. I said, well, you want to ride? No, David will pick me up. And David was off down Cuban, the hood somewhere. Cuban assassin? Yeah. Cuban assassin. Okay. So he's in the yeah, hood. Yeah, he was <laughs> down the hood somewhere. I don't know if he was... Uh, I had the car and and and, and the <laughs> never got picked up. He was still sitting in the the Ramada uh, lobby when we came back. <laughs> uh, and last last question: Are you Willie or Waylon? Willie. Willie, I hear but, you. Uh, I met I met I met Whaling in uh, Lukenbach, Texas. No, did you really make meet him there? Yeah. Met wow. him there where, uh, at uh, Willie's picnic. I took Steve McMichael and uh, at the time his wife Deborah. Yeah. And me and Tony and uh, man, we had a we had the greatest time. Everybody was there. I forget how many bands from morning to night. And uh, Whaley came in at the end. Met him and he was so blown out, drunk and you know. <laughs> but we still had a good time and. Uh, and then I, 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 that's when I pulled the cardinal sin, and it's still the biggest thing they still say when I, I see these guys. I see them like once or twice a year, you know. I go and see them though, uh, and they all, I'm like family, you know. When uh, Pooty, the stage manager for Willie, 20 years passed away, I went to Austin for the funeral, and they sat me in their section, the family section, made me feel really good. That's cool. And uh, but uh, anyway, I went and I. Did a number two on the bus to shit on the bus and you're not supposed to shit on the tour bus right you can pee right. on it and it was willie's bus <laughs> it's still uh to this day one of the like he we we the cardinal sin <laughs> oh, pulled the nasty boy he shit on willie's bus and everybody goes he shit like Toby and they told toby keith you shit on Willie's bus. You know, so, <laughs> I met Toby and all them guys to Willie. Uh -huh. You know, Willie went, yeah. And then, did you ever hear of a group, uh, uh, Little Joe and the Familias? Nuh-uh. They're, they're like a, a uh, like a, you know, a Spanish kind of thing. And he had, you know, Willie has all variety of music. So we went right. to Lukenbach. And I don't know if anybody knows, Lukenbach only has like 60 people or 100 people. They have a, uh, a post office, a general store, and I think uh, maybe a, a little uh, saloon there. You know, it's real dinky. But uh, these guys sat on the bus, and, and and me and my wife were on the bus with them, and Willie, and they were practicing to go on stage when they played their set with Willie. And just to sit there and just 
he stoned out of your mind, of course, on Willie's great weed. You know, <laughs> yeah. it, it was uh, what an awesome experience. I mean, the things I've seen in my life, for, and, and I'm 58. I mean, uh, I would never take anything back. Uh, my body right now is falling apart, but you know, I did what I did, and 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 half of that's from uh, doing the two years of the hardcore stuff with WCW. Oh, and, that's right. You know. And Finn almost lost his leg the one That's time. Right. I remember yeah. I was there that night. You, yeah. you was working uh, you, right? With those for, uh, for Michael table, the one of those days. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then they, well, they weren't buying us nothing. And the yeah. next day, I was going to kill Eric. Right. And Jimmy Hart grabbed me and said, let's go. Because we had to do something down in Memphis. And he took my mind off of it because we went to Sun Studios. And Jimmy and we shot some stuff that WCW wanted. But... I was right in Eric's face and said, don't try to blame us for this. He's like, WCW said, don't try to blame you. You guys are having us do these hardcore matches every night, and you just won't take 100 bucks to go to Home Depot and buy the shit we need. Right, the trash right. cans that, that bend, right. the tables that break, not the yeah. old, you know, them old buildings we were at, they had cast iron trash cans. You get hit with them. Yeah, so who knows how many concussions and stuff we ever had. Right. But, uh, you know, and I, I, I am really, I, you know, lately I, when I think I, I, you know, a lot of us have it, but, uh, yeah. you know, it, yeah. you know, but like I said, I'm not taking anything back. I had, I had a great time. I've been in the business now almost 35, 36 years. I, I retired before, I think I had my last match right before the, the COVID, the, the year before, so the, maybe the not 2019, mm. and that wasn't much. I let Sag do everything because, you know, he took that time off, and, you know, Sag's yeah. got all the money. <laughs> Me, I'm just smiling, and everybody knows who I am. What can I say? <laughs> hey. I should, I should have never got this haircut because now I got to stick with the mullet the rest of my life. Exactly. Now they see you. That's <laughs> that's your signature. Now, hey, where can anybody find you, man, uh, on like social media? Uh, you go to Brian Nobbs. Uh, I'm at Brian Nobbs on both of them. I'm usually standing like this. You can get the, cool. you know, that that's me on Twitter. Right. And then uh, I got the, the company that travelers work for and he can uh, uh, be my, uh, uh, you know, Guy who tells you it's a, a number one place, but it's called thelegendsofwrestling.com. Yeah. Go to that. We haven't had a show since all this virus stuff, but we do baseball parks. We do um, major league hockey. We do regular casinos. But I use all the guys that were my friends growing up that, you know, Down people the think that, you know, not only the legends, though, people still want to see you. They still want to see right. me. They still, and, you know, and even if it's just the meet and greet and then using the guys to walk somebody out to the league, like Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat. Uh, I mean, we had, uh, you know, then including Bret Hart, Ric Flair. I mean, uh, uh, Sting, you know what I mean? Sting the icon. He's the only one that didn't like the hotel. So when I said, you know, he goes, I said, well, whatever you want. I, so I put him next to the airport and nice Sheridan and, uh, so I came back and Rick's, I'm driving Rick back to the hotel. I said, yeah, the only one guy didn't like the hotel. He goes, who don't like the hotel? The hotel's nice. And he goes, let me guess, the icon. <laughs> and I went, you hit the nail on the head, Rick. And I was like, oh, one more quick one. Another one, a big one I got, a big rib I got in trouble for. Uh-oh. Terry Taylor stooged me out. Oh no! The only guy that shaved Ric Flair's eyebrows off on the way over to London. No way! Oh, you know Rick was mad. 
Flair and Luke, no eyebrows. Oh, he woke up with no eyebrows, but I tried to blame it on Kurt. And because Kurt was on a trip and I shaved my eyebrows off in the in the bathroom. But while I was doing it, the door opened and that damn stooge Terry Taylor saw me and told Flair, Nobbs is lying. I saw him shave his own eyebrows off in there because I was trying to go, speak. he got mine too, Rick, that fucking perfect. He got both of us, and and Rick wasn't doing it when he got off. When he got off the plane, he was going, "I want them two fat bastards." <laughs> yeah, I got big heat for that one, you know. <laughs> oh God, That's too much, awesome. man. That's awesome. Some good times though, yeah. And then, then also the part that was heard around the world, you know, like uh, they said, Andre left like a sixteen-second fart on that movie set. Yeah. Well, Sag left him like that when we landed in London just to pick up his bags. But he didn't know, had no idea that two bags behind him was Miss Elizabeth bent over. And oh. you, well, guess who blew it out of proportion? Davy Boy. Oh, my God. He blew dry <laughs> here with that fart. All of a sudden, Macho Man. Oh, that's it, Sags. That's it. Oh, my God. There was all kind of stuff going on after that. Yeah, it was, it was called The Fart Herd Around the World. <laughs> and we're in, we're in the, uh, George Steele's room, and he goes, he's giving us a speech, and Vince wants you to guys to know, Jerry, that's the most expensive gas you'll ever pass. And he charged us for, he flew Liz back, and, then he, and they needed Liz for the Sky Network shoot, so whatever the Concord cost, but that came out of our checks. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. So that was one expensive fart sag. <laughs> thanks a lot, buddy. You know, <laughs> but hey, man, thanks hey, for having me on. Man, that was awesome, man. Great catching up with you, brother. I love you, bro. And hopefully get to see you soon. I know Our we'll be on the phone. coming, baby. Get ready. I know. I can't I wait. I got a good feeling. I can't wait for I it. I got a good feeling about this one. Hey, me, you, and Godfather together, we can't go wrong. I agree. Hey, Brian, thank you, man. Appreciate it very much. And uh, everybody, that was it. Brian Knobs, man, the nasty boy, the legend. And uh, hope to see you more and more coming Bravo, from you, brother. one of the best friends in the world, brother. I love you. I love you You're too, buddy. You're a good man. A good man. Your whole family is. Thanks, man. We love you, man. We love you. Yeah. Take care of yourself. All right. You too, brother. All right, Bye. brother. Get his pants on. Not Charlie. Charlie. Yeah. Your son is getting moving by